Yeah, all right. I'm trying to figure out what works best. Thank you so much, Isaiah. Thank you too much, so much for being flexible and letting me come a little bit later and uh, for allowing us to come on this Sunday. Thank you, too, for that time of worship. Gosh, that was, that was wonderful. You guys have great music. That was, I feel like we should just keep on singing. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, it was so much better than I've got. No, but I, we will be looking at the Word, and that's always encouraging as well, too. As uh, Isaiah said, and I was just realizing, too, we just, as we were connecting a little bit earlier, uh, he went to school with one of my sons as well. And you guys came out on a gospel team too, right? Is that what you said? Did we, did we take that group? That we hopped in a van and drove to Colorado, right? Just to the border so we could say, I thought so. <laughs> so my last church, we were in, in uh, North, far north was Kansas, 15 miles from uh, Colorado. And there, we'd never had a weekend team, right? Had gone to Colorado. And so we hopped in the van and drove those 15 miles all the way so we could get to the border. Took a picture, I think, right? In snow. It was snowing at the time, I think. Yeah. Uh, anyways, it, it's good to be with you uh, this morning. As Isaiah mentioned, I'm the uh, director of uh, evangelism and discipleship now. Uh, for the past, uh, prior to that, I was uh, AFLC pastor for 25 years. I graduated from our seminary in 95. And uh, I consider myself a, uh, a domestic missionary because uh, I didn't get to serve in the Holy Land here. <laughs> uh, I, I, serve, uh, I started out in uh, Texas. I was there for five years. In Illinois for 11 years. And then in uh, Kansas, sorry, far northwest Kansas, for uh, nine and a half years before coming here two years ago. Uh, it'll be two years actually, exactly, March here. Uh, just in time for COVID. So, yeah. <laughs> So you can tell why we're going to talk a little bit today about we never know what God's got in store, right? What his plan is. Uh, I wanted to show you a little bit. Here's a family picture. Sadly, that thing's like two and a half years old, right? I mean, finally, though, in two weeks here, my daughter gets married and we'll, be, we'll finally have a more updated picture. Uh, but those are my, that's my family there. My wife, Brenda, is with me today. Uh, we met on an LEM gospel team. Some of you know what LEM is, but uh, it's a summer uh, traveling team. Uh, I know, and, and Wade, the Bible school wants to encourage me, that's not how you're supposed to get your wife, is by <laughs> uh, recruiting them off a gospel team, but it worked out for me, so I, I'll just leave it there. I have six children, uh, ranges from 33 to 18, um, and four grandchildren, and we praise God for them, and, and they have just been a real blessing uh, to us, especially over these last couple of years. Um, and I think we probably all feel that way about our families, don't we? Uh, since COVID began, since all these things occurred, it's caused us to think about our family, uh, about our lives, about the things that are really important, as well as thinking about our own mortality, as well as uh, dealing with the fact that our world's in a mess today, isn't it? And seems to be getting worse. And for some, in this course, there's been people who've wondered, well, where's God in all of this? Where is he? Why, why is all this stuff happening? And maybe that's where you're at even this morning. Maybe after we've gotten even to this point, you're like, man, it just doesn't seem to be getting any better. Why is that? And where are you, God, in all of this? 
And I just want to encourage you this morning to know that that's okay. That's okay to, to, to feel that way, even to ask God why. And it's also why we want to look this morning at a group of believers who I think felt much the same way. And I'm talking about the people of Jerusalem who were besieged and then defeated and then taken from their homes back to Babylon, to what we would call modern-day Iraq, as prisoners in a foreign land. Young, believing men like Daniel, uprooted from all they knew, and now here they were, captives in exile. Now, in a way, I think we can imagine a little bit how they felt. How they felt abandoned by God when they needed him the most, concerned about their future, and shaken by this whole situation. And we don't have time this morning to unpack all those similarities, and I think a lot of them are pretty obvious. But I would like us to focus on God's message to them, because it has a lot of application to our situation today. And, and so I'd invite you to turn with your Bibles to uh, Jeremiah 29, um, and we're going to be starting at verse 4, Jeremiah 29. And some of this is probably familiar with, to you, as, as we mentioned earlier here. But starting at verse 4, and, and it'll be up for you, you can watch there too. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now as we look through there, right, there's a lot going on. What what I want us to catch here, though, is the clear message that God knows our situation and he's in charge. God knows our situation and he is in charge. He still reigns. Now, as we think about this, we can welcome, imagine the children of Judah still reeling from the shock that their God, God Almighty, would allow them to be defeated. His allowing for the destruction of Jerusalem, and now they've been taken away as captives. And in the meantime, and I skipped over just the same time, those uh, in between verses between 7 and 11, the false prophets are saying, don't worry, this is no big deal. Just a minor blip, an inconvenience. Uh, God's going to restore us right away. It's okay. So who do they believe? What do they believe? What does it say about their God? And as they're in the midst of this, can they even trust in him anymore? And so here they are in this new place, in shock, confused, and likely struggling with a crisis of faith. But God says in verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And then he says in verse 11, I know, I, have, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
Now wait, right? did you catch that as we read that? Did God just say he was the one that sent them into exile? He did. But he also tells them that he has a plan for them, one for welfare and one to give them a future and a hope. We can just imagine them, right, trying to wrap their heads around all this. And while we can't grasp fully how they maybe felt, it does serve to give us confidence in a future and a hope that God knows our situation and it's all right. Now, I'm not saying that we have, what we've gone through is equal to their exile, but I do think it's fair to say that these past two years have been rough. Obviously, uh, the greatest burden has been the pandemic, thousands dying, and I'm sure there's probably no one in this room that doesn't have somebody, hasn't lost somebody due to this. And we've all been impacted by the shutdowns and the masks, the limits on gathering, not to mention all the political uncertainties and social upheaval our country's gone through. And yet now here we are two years down the road and just when we think things are going to get a little bit better, there's fear, right, that we may be on, that Russia may be on the verge of invading Ukraine and all that that may have impacts upon us and the rest of the world. As we look at all these things, we too may be feeling shaken, feeling abandoned by God, concerned about our future, and perhaps even struggling with a crisis of faith. And if you're not, I'm pretty sure your neighbor is. But God wants us to know that he knows our situation. He knows what's going on. He still reigns, and it's all right. And so from that perspective and confidence, he tells them to bloom where they're planted. To bloom where they're planted. We see that in verse 5. He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. And do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. As unhappy campers, I'm sure that they probably acted like that, right? Captives in a place they did not know. They are probably cranky, withdrawn, complaining. Certainly not wanting to get along or embrace our situation. I know that's likely how I would feel. But God says to do just that. Embrace this situation. Make this their home. Bloom where they're planted. Build houses. Plant gardens. Have children. Live your lives here and now. But how could they do that? How can they do it, right? It seems like a big ask of God to, for them to just give up everything there was before, just jump in where he's placed them, and it's all going to be good. Well, here's how he could do it. First, it's because he says that he has a purpose and a plan for them with a future and a hope. 
and that they were there not by accident, not by bad luck, not by fate, but rather it was God who had brought them there for a purpose. And it's the same purpose that he has for placing us where he has, under the circumstances we're in, time and age that we are in, facing all the things that we are going through right now. Things have not changed. God still reigns, and he is the one who has put us there. And he's given us this purpose. What he wants to accomplish in and through us. And it's not what the world says. Uh, the idea that we are here to live, to be rich and powerful and to have a bunch of uh, things and all those kind of things that really have no lasting value. His plan for us, his purpose for you and I as his children is to join him in rescuing those of whom we often think of as our enemy. Those who are not like us. In fact, he tells us, right, uh, in the New Testament, his plan for us is to go and make disciples of all nations. He, he calls us to be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. So how do we do that? Well, he gives us some pretty plain explanations here, doesn't he? As we look at our text, verse he says, embrace your community. Embrace the place he has placed you into. Build homes, plant gardens, put down roots. Build relationships with those who are different from you. Seek the welfare of the city. Pray for it. Give of yourselves to it. And God will bless you in it. Which is also what we should be doing, isn't it? I know with all that's going on, it's much easier, isn't it, for us to just to pull back, isolate ourselves from the world, put on our masks, stay distant, away from people, especially in this COVID-ridden, race-torn, politically divided culture and world we live in today. But you know, that's not what God has in mind for us. That's not what he made us for. That's not the mission we have been given. God calls us to be in the world, but not of it. A fair translation of Matthew 28, 19 could be, as you're going through life, interacting with other people, make disciples. As you were going, as you were involved with other people. Now sometimes... We're to distance ourselves from this world. And to a degree, that's true. But God's intent is that you and I would be a positive influence on the world, reflecting him and pointing others towards Jesus. Verse 7 says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. And in its welfare, you're going to find your welfare. So not only is this a promise of blessing, but it's a guide for us as to how we reach our world for Jesus. So how do we do that? What, is, what does it come down to? What's the practical application? Well, first is through hospitality. Just being, being good people, good neighbors. 
I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we've become really isolated in the last couple of years, especially with people we don't know. The mask mandates, social distancing, many have become okay with not going to church, avoiding gatherings, certainly don't want to get to know the new neighbor down the street, don't want to engage with people you don't already know. And I don't bring it up to make us feel bad, but, it, but it's happening. And this growing separation is not only feeding the isolation and depression that many feel, but it also feeding the division that we have between people, the isolation and depression that many feel. It's this division between races and political views. It's feeding that division. Because it's through this isolation, it's easy to forget that those who have other views, who see things differently than I do, who have different colored skin or different beliefs, it's very easy for us to forget that they're people. They're people just like us. People made in God's image. People that God loves and wants us to love in his name as well. People that Jesus died for. So how do we how do we overcome that? How do we live out godly hospitality? Well, from what I understand, you guys had a great start yesterday with your, your event here for the community, right? A uh, country, uh, no, so, uh, so, Southern Gospel, yes, love that. My first church was in Texas, and man, those guys ate it up. They, they loved that. We had people who come, and, and I know that was your desire, right? You held this concert hoping to, to reach out to the people in your community. And it's a great way to express this free concert. We care about you. We want to invite you to come. And it is a, a great start, letting them know that you care. You care about their community. But it's going to take more than that, isn't it? How, how do we engage them? How do we, besides that, how do we let them know that you really care? Is there, I don't know if maybe you met somebody yesterday who came. Uh, maybe you had a chance to talk with somebody. Or maybe even just as you think about what we're talking about right now, there's someone that comes to your mind that God's placed on your heart. We should reach out to. Somebody in your community that, that maybe you, because you work alongside of them or they're a neighbor or you see them every day at the coffee shop, I don't know. Is there someone that God would call you to reach out to? God wants us to reach out, to take opportunities like yesterday, but also beyond that, to do it on in an individual basis for us personally. And that's honestly why I think a lot of what we're seeing here is, is clearly not of God, at least. This separation and isolation, because that's, that's where we have to begin to reach people is by making that contact one-on-one, -on -one, getting to know them, getting to know those people who are different from you, people who are in your neighborhood, people that, that God is placing on your heart, praying for them, pursuing them, realizing that that's our mission, is to love the people God's placed around us in his name. And they need to know that they're more than just a project. Not just somebody you go, oh, 
yeah, that guy, he, he needs Jesus. I, I should be praying for him. These are people that you need to, you each individually be thinking, about, how can I reach that person? How can I let them know that, that this is more than just me being a good church member, but really I do care about them. That you see them as a purpose, person. That you're willing to invest in them. It's what I call next step evangelism. You know, I know in the past we, we've done a lot of these large events, right? And people would come and get saved and stuff. Our culture's changed a lot since then. But there's still a need. And there's still people very hungry. But they're not going to come just because we open the doors, just because we have the hours out there. But if you go out and love that person and let them know you care about them and invite them to come and be a part of what you're doing in your life, they're going to listen. And there are people who really do want to know about truth. They want to know what you believe. They, they want to know why you say the things you do and why you live the way you live. You need to build that relationship. Invite them over to your house. Share a meal with them. I listen to their stories. That's one of the greatest ways to connect with people. It's amazing how if you'll just listen, how they'll tell you all these things that are going on in their life and, and give you an opportunity when you get to the end and you can just kind of feel it out as it goes, but can I pray for you for about those things? Almost never have I ever had anybody say, no, you can't pray for me. And if they even, if the opportunity, maybe even right then and there, pray for them. Can I pray now? And if not, that's okay too. I, I think it's important we understand it doesn't have to be overtly Christian, the things that we do. We don't have to have them come over and, and we're to have devotions with them and all these other kind of things. We just be us. Invite them into our families and let them see though that Christ is important in our lives, that we do pray before we, we have dinner, that we do see Jesus as important to us. And you'll be surprised if you'll just make that effort, how doors will open, how people will share with you what's going on in their life, and how you might find an opportunity to share Christ with them. Because people really are Hungry for truth. And, you know, these things may seem like they're really simple. <laughs> and they really are. But in the world that we live in today, it may well be that you are the first real Christian that they've ever met. The first person who really believes that God is who he says he is and is trusting in him for your salvation and who has a plan and, and understands that when you die, you are going to spend eternity with, with him and have that certainty. People long for that. And they will come to you. They will want to hear that. And they'll want to have what you have. Another very practical way uh, is to be involved in your community helping people in your community, finding areas where you physically can help meet some 
tangible need. Joining in a community food pantry, a coat drive, after school program, taking seniors to doctor's appointments. There's a, a whole host of ideas that you can come up with. Things that show you're willing to help out work, even serve for the good of others. Because these things not only reflect Christ, but it's going to open up doors to build relationships that you may not have ever imagined. Relationships that can lead to sharing Christ, as well as gaining some new forever friends. Which is something, honestly, that in many of our communities, churches have forgotten. You probably know of lots of churches, right, that have shut down two years ago and haven't even opened up again. Or even those churches, well, maybe did continue on, but were pretty limited. It's sad, but in many ways, our churches have forgotten our call to be lighthouses in our community, to be a positive influence for good, to demonstrate the love of Christ in physical and tangible ways. One of the harsh realities that came to light in these last two years is many of these little churches that closed down weren't even missed. People didn't even know that they weren't there anymore. Yeah, people miss in-person church services and getting together. But one of the tough questions that's had to be asked is, did people even notice? Was our community hurt by our church's absence in the last year when we did have to shut down or we weren't involved? Didn't even know. Or was it just our little group of people? On the other hand, there have been churches who found this as a great opportunity to minister. They've been blessed through times of ministry, ministering to their community and, and reaching and ministering to people who've really needed it. There's also, as a result of this too, an opportunity for churches to, to look in and see, is there a need in our community? Is there something that's not being addressed, not being touched on? Is God speaking to maybe you today about something that maybe our church should do this? We could do this. this we have the facility. We have some people. We, maybe this is something we should do. A place where he's inviting you to step out of your comfort zone and join him in ministering to your community in a brand new way. You know, I have to tell you, I, I'm, I'm, I love my new job in that I get to think every day about how do we reach people for Jesus? How can I encourage and help churches to do that? Helping members to, to feel that that's an opportunity. And I'll be honest, in some places people will think, that, well, it's all over, right? The church is done, churches are dying. I honestly see that truly, as Jesus said, the fields are white under harvest. There are people who are hungering, for truth, who want someone to reach out to them and touch them. But it's not going to be like we used to do it. It's going to be that one-on-one -on -one personal connection and reaching out to him or her or whoever that is that God places on your heart. And I want to encourage you too in these days to know that even though as you turn on the news and probably shouldn't turn on the news, <laughs> But even as you do, 
know that God is still in control. He still reigns. He is still God Almighty. And there is hope and a future promised to you by Him. And that you can rest in the assurance that God knows your situation right now, where you are, what you're doing, what's happening in your life even now. I also want to encourage you to know that He has made you and equipped you and called you for such a time as this. That didn't go, oh man, all of a sudden we have this big problem and I don't have the right people equipped or trained to do this. That's not true. God has placed you here for a purpose and He has equipped you to meet the time that is before us. He's called us each to this place, this time, this situation. And it's all right. Because God is still on the throne. And nothing has happened or will happen that he is not in charge of. And finally, he wants you to bloom where you're planted. To enjoy the life that you have. Rejoice in this this time. and, And be thankful for the opportunities. To believe that you're here for a purpose. And that you are a part of his plan. And that plan is to rescue the perishing around us who do not know Jesus, who do not have hope for eternity. And also in the process for us each to grow in our faith and likeness to him. To believe that he has a plan for our welfare and not for evil to give us a future and a hope. As I close, I want us to think about this in the context of Daniel. Daniel is one of those he's, that with this word was originally written to. One of those guys, young guy, had everything in front of him, right? Very bright, talented, and all of a sudden everything's torn away and he's taken away to Babylon. He and some of his friends. I want you to think about how he took this word of God here. How God used him. How God blessed his ministry there. And much more than just in the way that we read in the books. But think about the lasting impact he had just because he trusted God. He took him at his word. He believed what he said. And he chose to bloom where he was planted. Even there in this foreign hostile land with people that he surely thought of as his enemies to begin with. And how even by doing that, he impacted the world not only then, but centuries later. Recently, I was reading again about how there is strong evidence uh, that the Magi, who came seeking the Messiah, did so because a young Hebrew boy, who had been taken captive centuries before, grew up to be head over the Magi. And he told all who would listen to him about the king. The real king of kings and lord of lords who was to come. The Messiah. And they listened. I think, how might God want to use you? How by you being faithful believing he has placed you here for a purpose and trusted him to do that and bloom where you're planted. How might God want to influence 
this world centuries to come. It's possible. Would you pray with me? Lord God, how thankful we are that even as we see these things going on around us, that we serve and worship God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and the one who holds us in his hands and who has promised us a life that is of good and purpose and meaning, a life with a purpose and meaning, and hope for tomorrow. Lord, help us to, to trust in you, rest in you, and I pray too for each of us that you would open our eyes to see the opportunities that are around us, the people that you have placed near us, maybe even those who are different from us, who we might even think of as our enemies. Lord, and give us a heart for them. Cause us to pray for them. Cause us to, to, to challenge you, ask you, Lord, how would you have me to reach them? Maybe even invite them to dinner or something. I don't know. But Lord, that we would be used by you to bloom where we're planted, to reach people for Jesus, but also to enjoy this life, this place, this time, because we are your beloved children. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.